Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. David Reed and Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us here. Lance Lee, apparently on assignment. On assignment Take elsewhere. Away. We Take don't know away what us. happened to Lance. It's a great mystery. We like mysteries. Yes. We like whodunits on this show. We so, like Lance you know, here Lance also. is the latest whodunit. What's we, up, guys? We like Lance here as well. Good How are we doing? How was the big anniversary? It was great. It was a, a great dinner. We got a lot of things done around the house that we have been talking about doing. Uh, and then late last night, we learned that my sister is uh, is engaged. Hey! So Amy and Alex, congratulations! congratulations. Uh, shout out to begin the show. So there we go. That it was a weekend of love. Yes, a weekend of and love. You fell in love with a Bernie Madoff documentary <laughs> at one point, also. I right? fell into the trap of watching a Bernie Madoff documentary. I'm like, oh, this is this may be updated based on his death. Uh, no mention of that at the end. Yep. It needs to be updated. Uh, and I still can't tell you exactly how Bernie Madoff got away for as long as he did with the, you know, the, the Ponzi scheme that he created. That's how a great Ponzi beauty. scheme works. Is it's all smoke and mirrors to where the you still can't even, what don't even did. know exactly. But what it he was did. called the, the doc was called like Bernie Madoff colon the real story or the, something like that. Like how it happened. <laughs> And I, watched, I still can tell you how it happened. I watched something called American Animals on Netflix last night, which was these four kids in Kentucky at Transylvania University who came up with a heist to steal these uh, a, a, an original Darwin book and some stuff by Audubon uh, that were $12 million worth of, of stuff, and they're heist attempt that was pretty compelling. It was the guys themselves talking and then... Uh, a mo you know, kind of within a movie about them doing it that was pretty compelling that I knew nothing about hmm. that's worth checking out, I thought. We're big documentary people, apparently, because I'm all in on Hemingway, Ken Burns' latest on get PBS. On I've heard great Three things. parts, six hours. That's under six hours. Each episode's like an hour and 42 minutes, but it's it's great. Six hours each. Yeah, six six hours each, just like your standard Ken Burns. The country music documentary, though, it, for comparison, is 20 hours. Yeah, that's a lot. It is 10 to two hour is 20 hours, I think. Yeah, so uh, this one's under six hours, but it's it's great. And I also got into the uh, A&E Stone Cold Steve Austin documentary last night. That's two hours. It's an enjoyable watch. It's not hard-hitting. You know, it's not like something that would be done on HBO, for instance. It doesn't get a lot into his personal life. It, he talks about, like, not really having a relationship with his two daughters and says, I was just gone. I didn't. I really took it for granted. Now I'm trying to bridge that relationship now that they're older. Um, so it doesn't really hit hard. But for fans of the WWF, WWE attitude era of the late 90s, early 2000s, you're going to love the, the Stone Cold. What's he doing now? He just lives on a ranch. And he does his uh, Broken Skull podcast. It's yeah. on video. And he does some hosting of reality shows that he's done in the past. But for the most part, I mean, they he kind of walks around his ranch and shows his old trucks that he has and everything. But he's just living off the money he made wrestling. I also had two of my three siblings in for the weekend and one in-law, which is a great treat, late-night cards and and having some fun. It's a great treat for me, but it's really great to see my son get to spend time with relatives that he, it's a big rarity in our family. So You guys also had a big weekend of sports. No, oh, a big bad weekend of sports. So he didn't make baseball. It was a conflict weekend where we had to choose, chose soccer, and uh, they went 0 for 3 in the tournament, though they played a lot better than they've been playing. So a 3-1 loss, a 4-2 loss, and one blowout. So... Paul, you would have uh, rooted for uh, my daughter's team on Saturday because we took on the Red Sox 
in our season Tigers. opener uh, with the A's out at, out in Mount Julian. They were yellow. And uh, it, was, it was a first game. I think for a first game it went well. I will say the Red Sox appeared to be a little bit more prepared than our A's. <laughs> oh, no. They also got there, and it was smart of them. They went, so not all the fields are open because of the flooding. In what age group is this? This is five and six year old. Did the Red Sox wear red softball or blue? T-ball. They wore uh, red, <laughs> red, red, red with blue, unlike the, the jerseys from this weekend. But they took over a field that's not open yet, like the senior league field. They just got in the outfield and they were practicing for an hour and a half before the game. Oh, so they got oh, there and they're ready to go. And we, our girls, are just playing tag because we're waiting on the Tampa game to Bay finish. Very Tampa Bay Buccaneers asking yes, them. Yes, yes. I think Tom Brady actually coached this team. <laughs> Uh, with the New England tie-in, but it was fun. You risk them being tired in that scenario. You work yeah, girls, I, you know, I mean, five I don't think it wasn't lopsided. You know, it was a uh, we don't keep score until the second half of the oh, season. Oh, you'll learn. But you do take outs now. <laughs> like if someone gets out, <laughs> oh, you yeah. can uh, you can just let me ask you just a for instance, okay, of how we should score this. We take outs, right? So at one point, girl on the other team hits a foul tip in the air, and we've got our best player catching. And she snags the foul tip in the air, just instincts, grabs it, and it's an out, right? Yes. But you also don't want – it's the first pitch to the girl, so then she's not going to have a chance to hit it off the tee or do anything else on a foul tip. So we said nothing. I I applauded. I think I was one of the only people who saw her catch. I'm like, Caroline, great catch. But we didn't do anything, and then they kept pitching the girl. I I feel like you just keep pitching and let them play on, let her hit it fair at some point. But – an impressive snag, nonetheless. Yes, I think you played that correctly. Yeah. Are you pitching? I'm not pitching. You've been demoted. I got usurped by the uh, the head coach, which is fine. I, trust me, I do not want to pitch. There's a lot of pressure. He wants to pitch. There's a lot of pressure How on did the throw? pitcher. Were there complaints from the girls? No, the... no, no complaints. He did a good job. Yeah, no, no complaints. I want to create. Some I told you, as someone who pitched in practice, problems. I will never be the one to complain about the coach pitch uh, pitcher. The coach Come on, coach. Throw it in there. Paul would <laughs> be Need the first Need some starts here. Need some starts. Paul probably has complained about the coach pitch pitcher at some point. I took over as the coach pitch pitcher. Because you complained. Strained his cast. Uh, <laughs> but, see, I've, I've never been. Torres calf. I've never been a part of the, the T-ball coach pitch combo. Like, it was either T-ball league or, or it was pitch. machine pitch. It wasn't even coach pitch. Okay. We went from. Coach pitch slash t-ball to coach pitch to machine pitch to kid pitch. Well, our team, so here's the, we have 13 girls on our team. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like eight or nine of them, this is just the era we're in, their names start with an E. All right? There's Including Ellie. Yours. There's Ellie. I'm not even exaggerating. There's Ellie, Emery, Evie, Elizabeth, <laughs> Emma. I think there's an Ella Call yourself on our wow. team also. So I'm trying to, and I'm kind of the fielding coach. This is something, one note that we learned. Uh, Coach Doug Matthews talked about notes in each yeah, game. That yeah. you, lessons. Lessons. The lesson I learned was I need to get the full roster and set a fielding chart for each inning because I'm trying to balance out outfield and infield with all the girls, and I feel like I'm bouncing them back and forth. But then another coach comes and said, no, uh, Charlie or Emma has been in the outfield the last two innings, which I didn't realize. I'm like, I thought she was pitching last inning. So I've got to get organized and balance before. them out over and over. And you're doing it, and, Paul, you know this, You've got what ninety seconds when they get their glove on and everything to get set up and ready. Yeah, I've had the and you're chart. trying to organize not nine players, thirteen players in the field at once that are scattered about everywhere. It's not easy. Yeah, that chart's handy. Yes, where you just call it. Out. Parents out there know this pain, and for uh, expecting parents or 
Maybe one day you're going to be parents, like, like Hutton possibly. Now you know this is going to be a challenge for you if you're dealing with these kids or if you're just someone who wants to coach new sports. Chad really put the pressure on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should start charting out. I'm putting a softball up there also. Like, just like, like Hutton we are possibly. Right like yeah. Hutton possibly. Hutton, maybe. <laughs> we don't know. Um, speaking of the weekend, uh, and what we did, what we watched. The Entertainer? We're going to talk about the, the weekend. Show now, Ladies finally. and gentlemen, the weekend. The weekend, yeah. I, I watched the thriller pay-per-view, Jake Paul, Ben Askren, and asked myself as I'm watching it, what am I doing watching this? Uh, but I was with, one. according to Triller, they sold 1.3 million pay-per-views. So... I mean, that is right up there with a Conor McGregor fight for a guy who's now 3-0 and in a boxing career and is yet to actually face a boxer in, in uh, Jake Paul. He fights the guy from uh, just recently retired from the UFC, Ben Askren, and knocks him out in the first round. When you watch it and you see the knockout, you feel dirty because you know and there's an inkling, okay, the fix was in here, like all along. But at the same time, it's weird because I really didn't care. It was a concert that had a boxing match attached to it. Snoop Dogg performed. Uh, Justin Bieber performed for this. They rented out. The, they had the entire uh, Mercedes-Benz dome in uh, Atlanta with a little boxing ring in the middle of it. They had a slap fight in the back. Uh, a slap fight? A slap fight. Who won that? Uh, and help me with the comedian that we had in studio from SNL. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson was there as a special commentator. I mean, they just paid these guys to show up and do cameos. And they ended up making millions upon millions of dollars off of this. Did you get to watch a slap fight? That's the most intriguing oh, yeah. thing I've got, of the I've got, yeah. I've got key questions here. They had Ric Flair commentate got, the slap fight. I've got key questions. A, how much did it cost? It, it was $50 on Triller. $50. You felt like you got your money's worth. Out of the entertainment value or no? Uh, oh, yeah, the entertainment value was through okay. the roof. Uh, you answer the question on who Jake Paul fought, who I have no clue who this guy was. Right. I saw the name, looked it up. He still don't even, even with he's Google. He's a qualifier I feel as like an I don't know who Olympic this guy wrestler is. from a few years back. Okay. Like, he's not a boxer. Jake Paul, YouTube star. What did he do on YouTube? To become a star. I don't know. All I know is that next he and his to his brother. title, Most it is people Jake do Paul, nothing. YouTube star. Yeah, yeah. He, he, it's the Kim Kardashian, the Kardashian effect where they're famous, famous for, for being famous, famous right? But um, he, he talks a lot of trash, and he has a lot of celebrity like Triller, I didn't know this. The well, third question is, what is Triller? Yeah, Triller is, is, is I, I had to Google this. I, I didn't know. They, they are a, they're an app similar to TikTok for Android. And they have a the, their main owner is worth fourteen billion dollars. The company itself is worth around a hundred million. So this is separate of their app because obviously on a yes. TikTok type app, you only get so long to, to produce right. something. So their app sponsored this entertainment. They own event. it. They own, they own the whole it. It's not just sponsored it. They okay, put it on. They own yeah. this event. So they put it would on be like uh, Twitter having they their own event. Put on event. They own Fight TV, uh, F I T E Fight TV, which is that. Another app you can download where they have you know boxing, wrestling, different things on there. That that's how you would buy the pay per views through. You know Fight how much TV. I love intentionally misspelled words, also. Yeah, that's to avoid a copyright, I'm sure. But F I T E really gets me excited so, about that company. But it's it, fight. I'm watching it in fascination. That was sarcasm, by the way. A, a part of me is just the intrigue of okay, why 
why is this a thing? Is why, as we have a graphic here that has the details on on the fight itself, but uh, you know, I'm left asking myself why people are drawn to pay money for an event where you kind of know that the result is happened before they even fight it out, right? We're in, we're buying in on the hype. This is fascination for me all along. And. But we're in a society where you don't really care that the, the fix is in on certain things. Like, it's the reality TV aspect that draws you in. And the, the broadcast is intentionally unprofessional. Where they have Oscar De La Hoya, who is lit out of his mind on, uh, as a color uh, commentary. You have Snoop Dogg, who's rolling a blunt during the middle of the fight itself, telling Dana White to pay him his effing money because they had a side bet going on. I mean, but, but again, like... It's not like you watch it and you're like, man, this this is something that, you know, I want my money back on. You're watching it going, I can't believe I'm watching this, but I'm entertained. Well, it's But if this happened in the NFL, we it would be a national storyline. I feel like it's an, it's an yeah. excuse for uh, guys to get together to watch a fight, but you didn't do that. So you no. paid $50 to watch this fight. So I guess my yeah. question would be to you, else. what drew you into this? Because there's nothing about this that well, makes me want to spend $50. I'm a huge fight fan to begin with when it comes to UFC. And, you know, so I'm tuned into this. I watched the, the previous one. Was it November? Tyson. Tyson got in with Roy Jones Jr. Yeah, um, I don't remember. Uh, and it was on Triller. This was five or six months ago. And Jake Paul fought on that against Nate Robinson. And this is the fight since then, and it, it drew me in to see the production value. But you go it. for the fight, and then you watch the peripheral stuff. All and the, see. yeah, and it's sightseeing, huh. you know. That, that's what it is. And that's how I would imagine that's what most people are doing, though there's a different demographic that maybe is <laughs> in for the, for the other stuff. But one, just to put it, like 1.3 million, a Ronda Rousey fight from a few years back would get around 500,000 pay-per-view buys. Which was a good So that night. put they're doubling they're doubling those types of of dollars. And that's a more legitimate That's event. a Does legitimate fight, even though that job? was over in thirteen right. seconds. Does Jake Paul do a good job promoting the fight? Like when I think of promotion, I think Conor McGregor sells the fight. Well, the, see, he wants a boxing match with Conor McGregor. But, the, but does Jake Paul have a big personality where he's good at promoting it? He's got... I just don't... I, again, I, He's got I, millions upon I, millions I, of I followers. I get the concept of having this big entertainment event with a fight at the end of it, even if it's amateur. I know. But I don't understand why we should care about Jake Paul I don't in either. these fights. Like, if it was uh, name the former celebrity that's now into fighting, then I'd rather watch that. Uh, Eridana on Twitter points out, Jake Paul got famous on YouTube and made a big name being controversial and obnoxious. He's got a brother named Logan who does yeah. the same. Yep. There are a lot of people online who would like to see Jake knocked out. That's the spectacle. People are tuning in to see him get beat. There's still a COVID effect here, too, in that there aren't concerts going on. Uh, games that are being played have limited ticket availability, mm -hmm. right? Even if you want to be doing stuff, there's limited amount of stuff that you can be doing. But but it, this so is more than a concert. They had, there's more something. now to do than ever in terms of in-home entertainment. Yeah, I mean, we're, we started the show talking yeah. about all the documentaries we watched, and there's 15 shows on my I'll list I can get though, to at any point. If, if you're looking for something new, like we were last night, in terms of new movies that are out, there's not that much because I, production I, stopped. You can go find old stuff. I'd like to know sure. percentage of people that use this as an excuse to congregate. Hey, buddy, I've got this fight. Come on over and get five guys from the neighborhood to come over. I, I think 
If I'm looking for the draw, well, if you did that, a, tweet us. Here's an excuse for a Saturday night to get some people over to the house be because here. I'm starved to do something with other people. And I, I would like to know the percentage of people that had a gathering around it. <laughs> and if so, how many? I mean, what was the number one point? How many? One point three buys. So then, how many people actually watched it? I know. If a majority of that were parties gathering to watch it. See, I I don't know why. I don't know why, but my gut feeling is more like it's a younger dude in his basement. <laughs> you think it's like the I don't know video, the gamer crowd. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's that either. There, there are too many. Like again, they had. Here was an older dude in his basement watching. <laughs> they had uh, exactly. They, <laughs> they had Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube perform. They had Doja Cat come out and perform. They had Justin Bieber perform. Justin Bieber, who played four songs, left the stage after the third and forgot he had a fourth. <laughs> they had to bring him back. No, he. Oh, Mike. He's like, oh crap. He <laughs> came back out. <laughs> um, I can't count the four. Uh, the they, guy was partying with Oscar De La Hoya before the event. They had, they had multiple performances. They had the slap fight with Pete Davidson and Ric Flair walking in to commentate the slap fight. How was the slap fight? The How slap fight was not as good as what you would see on YouTube. Like, there are Russians that are built for these slap yeah, fights, that train for these slap fights. Out of the crib. This, there was one guy on the slap fight who felt, I felt like he watched uh, and, and had actually, it was, he was mimicking the proper technique of yeah. the Russians. Um, Do they ever backhand slap? Uh, no, it all no, it's, it's all, all palm. It's got to be palm. There are certain, be palm. It, you know, but there, the other guy I felt like they found in Atlanta where they on were the and just said, "Hey, do you want five grand to show up on <laughs> do this on paper?" Like, okay. Yeah, but they're both were massive dudes. Funny? Pete Davidson acted like he didn't want to be there. Yeah. Like he felt kind of embarrassed to be there. He's like, hey, but he on mic, he he, he he you know he's smoking a he's smoking a joint. And he's like, I, I'm here. The this check. sounds like a complete cluster. He said, the check yeah. cleared. I'm here. I can't <laughs> believe it. Ben Askren, who's fighting Jake Paul, tweeted Pete Davidson in the middle of the pay-per-view and said, I dare you to come to my locker room for a, a pregame chat. You know, like, and, and it, wasn't, it was very detailed on something Davidson had said to where it wasn't like a scheduled tweet. It was, right. it was all just very bizarre. And, and it makes me wonder... I'm if you had if you had an uncensored broadcast like this for the NFL, for Major League Baseball, for the NBA, would people tune in for the novelty of I, I realize that this is going to be completely unprofessional and that's exactly why I'm watching. Well, I don't know if Amazon will do that, but there's a lot of talk about Amazon, the direction they're heading, and with their streaming game. They're going to head the direction that ESPN is headed with multiple broadcasts of, uh, of, of a game. So, like, if, they, if they've got a Thursday night game, they'll stream it on multiple channels. Yeah. You could watch a national broadcast. You could watch a home and away broadcast that ties into the radio broadcasts of both the home and away, which I think people would enjoy. They'll do one maybe with no, no broadcast. And, you know, so maybe as they keep looking for different things and they could stream 15 different ones if you want, your broadcast your way, I think, is what they're basically saying. They'll do more and more things like that. And they're not concerned with uh, FCC, right? Not at all. On a, on, a, on a stream channel. So maybe you get to the point where you're doing something like you're talking about, as, at least as a one-off, uh, and you do a Nickelodeon one and you do whatever, and you do all of those different ones and you see what catches people's eye and get some acclaim and you do feed them more what they want well going back to the stone cold documentary and, and watching that late 90s era wrestling yep and how great it was and it was the perfect combination of jerry springer reality tv mixes with athleticism right that was kind of the whole thing and they, they changed and had bigger personalities and more controversial and all that and it was fun 
Um, so I can see the, the prospects of doing something like this that draws people in that's very different and outrageous that supposedly ties in a real sporting event with a fight at the end of the night. Well, keep in mind, there but were other fights the, that were legit, right, like legitimate sanctioned up. bouts. But also the people involved, like, I, I don't, I assume Pete Davidson is always high. I don't want to see Pete Davidson on camera high. If you got Brad Pitt drunk and he was commentating the fight, that would be interesting to me because that's not a celebrity you normally see intoxicated. So if the whole bit is everyone's messed up, and it's sort of like the Golden Globes, but they're all on camera and mic. Right. That's a part of it. It's just a big party. I, I get the appeal to it, but there's nothing about Snoop Dogg smoking a blunt that shocks anyone. Anymore. Right? Like yeah, the people that are on there. Pete Davidson, the same way. Like Pete Davidson high commentating slap fighting isn't interesting. If Adam Sandler were high... Just commentating on slap fighting, that would be interesting. So I don't know. Again, but I watch, I, I'm I having it. a hard time figuring out the true draw. I watch it knowing. Like, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the production aspect of these things. And, and I, I watch it knowing that it's not meant for me to get. Like, it's not, it's not marketed to me. Right. There is a younger audience that follow Jake Paul, Pete Davidson, who is the Adam Sandler of this SNL era, who are reaching a certain audience that's not directed to me, but yet they still got me. Right. Like, well, here's so, the thing that surprises me. But I openly me. admit that when I ask the question of what, why do people tune in for this? I think that I would think that the audience they're targeting is what age? Uh, it's in their the 20s. I think so. Yes. But the disposable income for somebody in their 20s to have 50 bucks on this surprises me. Oh, I, I think we're I think it's I think easy. we're Again, underestimating two things. Like if you're gonna get together with your boys and smoke a Everybody bowl in the five. apartment in college, <laughs> yeah, four guys throwing yeah, five. Yeah, you got we're, guys throwing in five or ten bucks. They're coming over and watching Jake Paul. Beat the hell out of somebody. We're Five underestimating two things, points. and I, because again, I, I I watch this through the prism of what we're seeing is not reality. Of course, um, there are a lot of illegal streamers. This was not hard to find, even if you just YouTube it. Uh, you could find a stream on YouTube easily for this fight. Also, with the way Triller throws money around, it would not shock me if they bought up a bunch of these buys to inflate their numbers for promotional purposes. So that that's the other thing here. But the payoff and what they promised you is exactly what they delivered. So, and, and it was getting attention on everywhere except for ESPN, which is now in bed with the UFC. Yeah, and they had a fight night that night, which makes sense as to why they wouldn't cover it. So Lebowski on Twitter writes in and says, I think an unprofessional quote-unquote broadcast would do good numbers in pro sports. Bill Burr did a few live streams of just him watching an NFL game and reacting in real time. It was hilarious, and it had good viewer numbers. There is an app throughout. for that now. Like See, I, I would actually like to that. hear Bill Burr watching a game while the game's going on of his team. Where somebody, it's an app mm-hmm. where you can just listen to somebody talk over the game, basically. And so they were soliciting like sports writing, sports casting types. Live, though. To do that, yeah. But see, that, to me, like a Bill Burr, that's funny. That also probably draws in my demographic more than a Pete Davidson or Jake Paul would would draw it in. But that's a pick-your-guy thing if you got a wide enough group of people doing that. Yeah. And then they could charge for it. You know, Bill Burr could get $5 from you for a Raiders game or whoever his team is. You know, niche, niche, niche. Coming up, we have a show announcement, a programming announcement. Uh, in about 20 minutes, we'll let you know something we're extremely excited about, thrilled for, that's starting this week on the show. 
Also, we have the Tennessee Power Hour, which is jam-packed with local headlines, statewide headlines. Stay tuned for that. We hit the national headlines when we return, which includes a retirement at quarterback in the NFL, the rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who we discussed last week not being in the headlines, is in the headlines now uh, as we turn the page 10 days away from the NFL draft. It's all coming up on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Alex Smith wins NFL Comeback Player of the Year and has retired. Welcome back, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll hope you, you'll subscribe and share the feed. Give us a, a rating, give us a review on the podcast, but also retweet on Twitter, uh, subscribe and like on Facebook, share the post on Facebook Live if you're watching there today. And of course, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. That's how you can interact with the show through chat. I think Alex Smith would have been a, a great add to a lot of teams uh, as a backup who could step in, obviously, and give you good games. Um, and he did that for, for Washington last year. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a shame. I'm glad he got to finish the comeback story, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, get out on the field and do some good things. And. Um, you know, we talked about guys. Uh, we've we spent we spent a lot of time. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about high picks on quarterbacks who may you know be average players. Alex Smith, uh, you know, was number one pick in the draft, and uh, in a year that he and Rodgers were the debate, and Rodgers went what twenty fourth, uh, and you see the difference in careers. Alex Smith had a nice career, and he did some good things in Kansas City, but he's a guy that's used a lot as. Uh, well, that guy could be Alex Smith, you know, and is that good enough? If, if that guy's Alex Smith, is that good enough? Yeah, he's the poster boy for the pretty good quarterback for a while. Right. You can win with him, pick. but can you I win think it's Jared Goff, you know, as a number one overall pick, is sort of an Alex Smith type that was good, I'd rather have good Alex enough Smith. for a while. Um, but the, when you say Alex Smith's name from here to eternity, what's going to pop in sports fans' that, mind that is leg. the injury, mm -hmm. is the leg, the gruesome nature of the injury, and then the comeback. I mean, that's. He's always going to be synonymous with that. We're not going to remember You're right. the good days with the Chiefs. We're not going to remember him being the number one pick, struggling with the 49ers. We are going to remember that awful injury and, I think, more importantly, the comeback from that in injury. Well, it's Joe Theismann. When Joe Theismann is walking around NFL Radio Row, every time he sits down at a chair and puts a headset on, he's asked about his injury. Uh, and then when that got old, he was asked about Alex Smith's injury and how, how tough it was going to be to come back from that as someone who could relate to it. Uh, Alex Smith will be the same way if, if he's making the, the media circles. Uh, Much Andy, like the 72 Dolphins are, are uh, contacted anytime a, a team yeah. loses late in the season, anytime there's a gruesome leg injury, Joe Theismann phone blows up for comment on and that injury. Alex Smith. Um, he was, so he had 17 surgeries. It's crazy. And we saw pictures of it, and uh, Stefania Bell from, from Incredible. Uh, ESPN got close to him and did, what, an hour special on his, his recovery. And it's the kind of thing you don't want to look You don't want to look at the injury. You don't want to look at the leg during recovery from the injury. It was uh, grotesque and hard to imagine that he'd ever w walk on it again, better yet, play I mean, football it, on it. Many thought that he, and he was very close to having his leg amputated. It was that serious. 17 surgeries later, he, he not only comes back to play, but he his appearances helped the Washington football team get yeah. to a playoff appearance. Yeah. 
That did, did that, well. It's then not he like he played in Jacksonville hurt, right? because they had no one else to turn to. Yeah. And he didn't finish the season, if I'm not mistaken. No, he, he didn't. Was uh, up. Yeah, and they, they had some guys that were rotating in. They got their starter back. Heineke uh, ended up finishing. Yeah, Heineke came back in and, and finished the year. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, tremendous finish to uh, a career that spans since 2005. And is it Aaron Rodgers that's the only guy left now from, from the top of that draft? I'm trying to think about uh, who's, who's left of that group. By the way, we should throw in that Andy Reid uh, told reporters in a conference call, he said, if Alex Smith gets into coaching, I have first dibs. And I've already told him that um, with the relationship that they had. Paul, there was talk of him signing with the Chiefs as a, you know, yeah. a, a guy who would head towards coaching. Um, Adam Pacman Jones was drafted sixth overall in that 2005 draft. I'm saying quarterbacks. Yeah, the quarterbacks drafted – well, you Alex Smith at number one. There was not another quarterback Rogers, taken yeah, until Aaron Rodgers at 24. Jason Campbell was drafted by Washington at 25 that year. And that's it for first-round quarterbacks. Three, he, three quarterbacks. There. And, and Rodgers may be the only first-round pick still playing from that draft. You mentioned Pac-Man Jones. He's not playing anymore. And Trail Roll. Uh, no. He's gone. Yeah. So, I mean – there are signs that make me feel old. Like I, <laughs> 2005 was my first year even around an NFL team, uh, and now it's it's Aaron Rodgers as the lone survivor from that group. Paul, you you may remember this. Uh, it was a preseason game for the Titans. Just to, to to tie in Alex Smith as a final thought. Alex Smith was starter in Kansas City. It was Patrick Mahomes' rookie season. He had just been drafted, and the Titans are playing it's the third preseason game, maybe the fourth. They. They, I just remember Alex Smith playing for maybe 10 to 20 snaps, and Patrick Mahomes came in the game. And as, the first time I saw him play live was that, was that day, and immediately on the sideline. Every, and I'm on the visiting sideline with the Titans. The veterans there were like, oh, this dude is legit. Like, Alex Smith is not long in Kansas City. They knew just from a couple preseason snaps that the guy had it. And it was that was his final year. He was, I, soon, I remember, he was soon to be in Washington. Uh, and maybe we were at the combine when it happened, when the Alex Smith trade happened after the season. It was the first mm-hmm. maybe big quarterback trade made well before the start of free agency, yep. where it's a trade That's that right. that you know can't be official until the start of free agency. But it's the beginning of offseason dominoes falling into into place. Uh, his trade to Washington and uh, the the official anointing of Pat Mahomes as as the new starting quarterback in Kansas City. And we know what that started. Um, Now, from that rookie year to this upcoming one, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft 10 days from, uh, 10 nights from tonight. In round one, uh, a week from this Thursday, Uh, did you see where he's already told Jacksonville fans on Twitter he's going to donate 20 grand to charity yeah. because of the wedding gifts that yeah. Jags fans have given him like that's they pretty they, obvious they, <laughs> calling a shot on where he's going to go yeah i hope to be with you soon or hope to, <laughs> yeah. hope, to hope to be part of the community i'm going to donate soon. to the community here we go um, but he he caught some flack late last week uh, as we went off the air uh, for a story where he admits that you know he has nothing left to prove and he's 
not the diehard cutthroat quarterback that I think a lot of fans come to expect with public comments from their favorite players. Well, so he, he basically said, I don't have, and I think the exact was, I don't have some big chip on my shoulder coming into the league. And I watched the QB21 special with Kirk Herbstreit where he interviews all these guys. How is that compared to, sorry to interrupt and go off topic Gruden. a bit. How is that compared to Gruden? It's, uh, I've watched the first 15, 20 minutes. It's more of a personal okay. interest story. It's okay. not really breaking down film. Okay. So it's totally different. It's good. It's entertaining. And Herbstreit does a good job with it. But you get to know the guys a little bit more in this. I look but, forward to uh, it. But, you know, he, he had, a, had a line in there that made me laugh. He said, you know, through all the adversity, and I, I know that I haven't had much adversity. He said something like that. He's like, it wasn't a lot of adversity, but through the adversity I had to persevere and this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, let's applaud the guy for being honest. I mean, what adversity has Trevor Lawrence faced? No. What, what is there, you know, this is like a 90s grunge era, and I think about where was all the angst coming from? Why, why, why is everyone so angsty? Everyone who listened to that music, Top and I love that music. School. I didn't have a lot of reason to be angsty as a kid, but I was. Top why would Trevor Lawrence be angsty from a good family? A wealthy family, good-looking kid, goes to Clemson, wins a national title right out of the gates. I mean, there is, I, I applaud the honesty. He doesn't have some big chip on his shoulder like other guys. I hate when athletes go over the top to create issues and create chips on their shoulder at times. And I find that to be dishonest, I the way too. they can create this too. big thing. Because every other player that's going to get drafted and talk to you, oh, I'm coming in motivated because – this person's talked bad about me, and this person's talked bad about me, and I'm going to show them. I get using that to self-motivate yourself, but I'm also not going to crush a guy who has the honesty to say, yeah, I don't have a big chip on my shoulder. Why would I? Why would Trevor Lawrence have a big chip on his shoulder? He's been nothing but successful, and his life has been great up to this point. And, and, and then Mike Florio writes, it's okay because he'll learn how to, to take these uh, create slights to motivate himself. No, it's perfectly fine for the guy. Also, I think part of the concern is that people are like, oh, he doesn't love it enough. Like he's not like he's not saying the absolute most important thing in my life is that I, uh, you know, win Super Bowls. Well, clearly the guy's a motivated football player and everything. But the fact that he doesn't spit out the rote things that we want to hear from football players makes him more interesting and more compelling, not less. I mean, you can love football with every bone in your body to the degree that will make you a winner for the Jacksonville Jaguars without saying the mandatory things. And so that he doesn't read from the mandatory script makes him more compelling to me, not less. I, I don't need to hear those things. You can love it and have an outside life. I like that about you. Give me more of that. But, less. I mean... We're just um, how many years removed from even last year? You can find players and nitpick players for not loving the game. Um, yeah, but you can see it on that. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, uh, we know, didn't love the game based on the way he acted upon arrival in Tennessee, right? And that turned into being a huge bust for, for in Nashville. But well, There's okay, no the, indeci- the most you recent think example, anybody's saying anything like that about Trevor Lawrence? And well, the most recent report? number one overall pick example is Kyler Murray. NFL draft is here in Nashville, and the debate was whether or not he should be the number one overall pick because does he love football enough? Is he going to go play baseball, uh, or is his passion football? Number one overall pick, highly debated. 
and now we're we're just saying uh, well I, i'll say though big I, deal I on think, trevor lawrence i think there's a difference there in that uh there was no questioning the chip on kyler murray's shoulder right he came in with a big job i'm too short I don't, you know, throw it hard enough. This is well, everything that's been said about me. I've been proving people wrong right. my whole life, and it, it goes back to what you said, Paul. It's that rote athlete chip on shoulder mentality. I'm going to prove everyone wrong, and everyone's been doubting me. No one's doubted Trevor Lawrence his entire career. You're right, and that's about that. fine that he admits it. Here's the exact quote in the Sports Illustrated piece. He said, "I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me, and I'm trying to prove everyone wrong." And then he goes on to say, and this is the big part of it, it's not like I need this for my life to be okay. Talking about football. Now, Trevor Lawrence went on to clarify, and this was an official statement, he says, it seems as if people are misreading my sentiment. He tweeted this in three I am internally motivated. I love football as much or more than anyone. It It is a huge priority in my life, obviously. I am driven to be the best I can be and to maximize my potential and to win. I have a lot of confidence in my work ethic. I love to grind and chase my goals. You can ask anyone who's been in my life. That being said, I am insecure. I am secure in who I am and what I believe. It goes on from there. I, I think all that's perfectly reasonable. But I also think that we can look at the obvious and say that, well, Trevor Lawrence is just telling the truth. What, when has Trevor Lawrence been doubted in his life? What real adversity has this guy faced? It's not like he's uh, Jay Cutler coming out of Vanderbilt that lost a ton of games and had to overcome losing and playing with not the best teammates. He went to Clemson, (laughs) where he was the number one quarterback in America in high school and was great there from a great family. And a champion. I I just, again, let's let's maybe applaud the honesty a little bit and not immediately go, well, this guy doesn't have a chip on the shoulder. And why would writers even, don't don't write it. Paul, you write and cover the NFL. Don't you like it when someone's at least honest with yes. you? You don't feel like you're getting and the same different. line of BS from people? Yes. Not that it's always BS. There are people who have legitimate chips on their shoulder. And rightfully Most so. Most do. Right. right. But when you don't get the same answer, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's and certainly not going to stop the Jags from drafting him number one overall, so it really doesn't matter. Also, no controversy there. I mean, uh, you know, no debate. There is a little, to to me, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the mentality of Urban Meyer does not match the mentality of Trevor Lawrence. No. (laughs) That's where I'm I'm intrigued to see the relationship. You know, I I did watch, so watching that Kirk Herbstreit special, Hutton, I'm watching, they're showing the footage of Trevor Lawrence's pro day, and Urban Meyer is sitting there with the center as he's snapping it in front of him. And Trevor Lawrence joked, he said, I had to ask someone to get Coach Sweeney and Urban to move because I was afraid I was going to hit my future coach in the back of the head because <laughs> they weren't paying attention at one point. I'm throwing slants. And I'm watching Urban Meyer's face, and you bring up a great point. I'm thinking, are there two more diametrically opposed yeah. ethos of coach than Dabo Sweeney and Urban Meyer in how they go about their business and how they treat their players? Not that that's going to stop Trevor Lawrence from being great in the NFL. And, Mer- and, and Meyer's going to have to adapt to the NFL way But it's very different. Coaching. But here's what it's you hope. It is. That it they're is. both smart enough that Urban Meyer maybe raises yeah. the intensity for Lawrence, which needs to come up in the NFL because mm-hmm. it's a different thing. But that Lawrence mellows out Meyer, which needs to happen too because this control freak intense on every second of every day doesn't work on a Wednesday when you've got a tired team that's beat up and needs to get ready but also needs you to take the foot off the gas. And ideally, there's yin and yang there that works. If Meyer won't let up, he's not going to work. 
he needs to be a little bit of a different guy. I agree with you, Paul, and I think that you don't get to the level of Urban Meyer at different jobs without being able to adjust some. But I also don't see Urban Meyer as a guy who's going to adjust his mentality. Well, that's why I don't. Think I mean, he's, he's already work. he's already coming out and saying you know things that are ruffling feathers of well, I don't like the way they do things in the NFL where we can't sit down and meet with them. Bye bye. I, I well, he's not wrong on that. He's not. He's completely. He's, he's not he's wrong. Right. But it's you not can hate point. his approach it's, and also agree that he's he can say something that's smart. It's another example. He's correct though, of, on that. He's not going to bend with what got him to where he is. No. But he's, he's also not going to single-handedly He's also not going to single-handedly change the league in a two and a half year period where he's going to decide if this is for him or not. Well, we just praise Trevor Lawrence for saying something that's not the same of every single oh, I, hit player yeah. in the draft. Urban Meyer is doing the exact same thing as a coach, and we're ridiculing him. For no, 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 no. I have no issue with what he said about that. I'm just saying that to me is an example that Urban Meyer's not changing. He may adjust a little bit, but overall, Urban Meyer's not going to su- suddenly be some warm and cuddly, player-friendly coach. He's going to be Urban Meyer yeah. of the dictatorship, put up or shut up. My way or the highway, I'm going to treat the media the but exact the same way. There are examples of those coaches. That's, that's, the difference that's was, the though, that there was some naivete, I think, in Urban Meyer as if, like, you know, there was no admission of, hey, I know what I got myself into when he said those things. He, he came in and was like, you know, this thing. Well, really I think you're is, just reading a quote. It's, 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 it's broken. When, as, part, as part of that answer, though, Paul, was they have signed, up to that point, they, I'm sure they've signed more since then. Eight of their 11 players that they had signed had some connection to him or his assistants. Right, which is common. But, but his answer to that was, we've got to know these guys, and we're not about to just randomly sign guys off the street without meeting them, and the way the structure is right now, we can't do that. Right. I, the I, structure but, is bad. But he also knows that coming in. So to me it sounds a little bit like you knew what you were buying into and you're crying about it Never, nevertheless. I would just like that little content. I knew what I was getting into, but yeah. I, don't like, I don't like it. Give me a little preface. Paul, you're going to hate this because of who I'm going to reference and their time in the NFL, but I believe that Urban Meyer will succeed for the exact same reason that Nick Saban failed. I believe he will fail for the exact same it, reason it, that Nick Saban failed. It's quarterback. If Nick Saban got Drew Brees and the Dolphins signed him, Nick Saban's probably still coaching the Dolphins, and they're very successful, and he's won a Super Bowl. N- Urban Meyer will succeed because of Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer, it's, what, it, Urban, it's what Nick Saban didn't have in the NFL. Urban Meyer will fail because he's a control freak to a level that the NFL just won't let you work at. We will put both these on wax, yeah. and in four years we'll revisit. Two and a half. Yeah, yeah. Quicker, if, if quicker that, than I thought. Yeah, if that. Uh, you mentioned Drew Brees, another quarterback who retired this offseason. So now uh, Alex Smith joins him. Phillip Rivers retired this offseason. Big, big, big. Other players, Julian Edelman, Jason Witten, and Greg Olson officially hanging up again. Uh, Thomas Davis, linebacker from Carolina, retired. Uh, the Pouncey brothers, um, going back through the list, uh, Anthony Costanzo. That's a big lineman. list. That's a really I mean, impressive it's a, list. There's a lot of players that have called it quits over the offseason. There goes our 20s, Hutton. <laughs> players are <laughs> never coming to the league. Bye-bye. It's done. Now Now you know you're getting a lot closer to 40 than you were 30 when all the players in your 20s that were drafted are all out of the league now. Programming announcement for OutKick 360 that we're thrilled about, and we know you will be too. It is next right here on the OutKick Network. Hang with us.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, which will include live radio just around the corner. We will have more programming announcements about our radio network and the full lineup in the days and weeks to come. We're thrilled about that as we get to the summer months. Uh, a lot of work going on behind the scenes. Uh, but speaking of behind the scenes work, we have uh, worked diligently to provide the, the best show for when we expand past two hours. We're a two hour show right now. That's not going to stay that way. Uh, we're, we're going to grow. And as a part of that, we are thrilled to announce that Greg Cosell joins us weekly every Wednesday. Looking forward to that as we talk all of the NFL film analysis. Again, that is coming up Wednesday, starting this week, 1230 Eastern, 1130 Central, right here on OutKick 360. Here's a scenario that won't play out with Greg Cosell on OutKick 360. You be Greg, okay. Chad. Oh, I love this. And I'll be... I've always wanted to be an actor. I'll be a questioner. Um, Greg, give me... Hold on, I feel like Greg would cross his legs. Yeah. Hold on, let me, let me do Let this. me set it up. While okay. answering a question. Greg go. Cosell with us on OutKick 360. He joins us weekly, Wednesdays at 1230 Eastern. Craig, give me a off-the-radar pass rusher in the second round. <laughs> well, I've looked at 265 <laughs> prospects already. Is there one specifically you'd like me to talk about? Uh, uh, <laughs> Greg Rumpf of Duke. <laughs> <laughs> that one I've actually seen. And seen. That's that one he's actually nuts. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Well done. We're, we're going to actually like have places for Greg to go. Uh, we have a long-standing relationship with him, and we, uh, we, have, we have questions for he him. Is, we don't is. just bring him on and say, like, hey, talk us through some guys you looked at. Well, here's the great thing about Greg Cosell. If you've heard him on with us in the past, you know, you already know how great he is and how you're going to learn something every time he's on. If you've never heard Greg Cosell, you're about to find out, and you'll quickly learn that this guy knows his stuff. And one thing that we know is, first off, we know Greg well. We go to dinner with him at the Combine. We go to dinner with him at the Super Bowl. We hang out with him. We know what he likes to be asked and the manner in which he likes to be asked it. And the thing about Greg is he is so meticulous about his film study and what he does as an analyst. He is not going to BS you ever. If he hasn't seen someone, he's going to tell you. If he doesn't com completely understand the question, he's going to tell you. He doesn't like broad questions where he's not asked something specific. If you give him a player, if you give him a system, you give him a quarterback, we know how to serve Greg up to where the softball's in the air and Greg Cosell will knock it out of the park. Do his best. He work. will start knocking it out of the park this week on Outkick 360. I'm pumped about this, boys. Great. Pumped. It's great. Also, we, we should add that that doesn't stop with Outkick 360. Greg Cosell will have an exclusive national podcast on the Outkick Network, which will also debut this week. So we will be giving you details on that, and, and that's year-round, every single week, the Greg Cosell podcast. Details on that show name and everything involved on how you can subscribe to the channel to get the film analysis going into each week across the league. That's coming up later this week, right here on Outkick 360. Again, pumped that Cosell is back with us going on eight years now, and uh, we, we could not be happier that he's joined us at Outkick. I would like to propose a show bet 
We I can tie in FanDuel.com slash OK360. I have logged into FanDuel. I, I have not looked at the at the lines, and I don't know if it's available yet because the oh. best player may not be a part of this. I don't know. We'll be able to tell you in a second. But the Braves and Yankees have a two-game series starting tomorrow. Two games. Uh, Ronald Acuna left the field yesterday he's briefly. Out. He's, he's out, gonna be so out. he's not playing. He's going to be out for this series. Well, that levels it up. So... Uh, I'm curious on the line if it's one and a half or a little bit more. Most games are one and a half. Can't get tomorrow's game. Can't get it tomorrow. Yeah, the problem is we'll need to do this tomorrow because it's only day of. I hate a two-game series. It's a quick two-game series. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably bet on the Braves. You know what uh, FanDuel does to me? Um, it makes you bet money. Uh, it does. It also uh, it doesn't make me. I, I choose to do it, Paul. But also, it does make me when I choose to do so. Watch about 30 minutes of the Knicks and the Pelicans yesterday afternoon because there's nothing else on but golf. Oh, my Knicks look. And I tune in the fourth quarter. Well, I bet on the Knicks live. I think they were up three at the time to win by one and a half, more than one and a half. The Knicks had to hit a three with about seven seconds left to tie it, get it to overtime, mm. and then they win by, I think, eight or nine in overtime. That's my Knicks. So I won the bet. And uh, Julius Randle, by the way, didn't even know, but he's killing it with oh, the Knicks this year. He's killing it. Killing Paul's it. Knicks. My Knicks. I've been, I was out on my Knicks forever, and then I got slightly in with Porzingis, and then I was way out again. <laughs> FanDuel.com. You can see it below, Chad. FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. If you're a new user, up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. You can place that right now as a new user by going to FanDuel.com slash OK360. I mean, I bet on the Yankees uh, every five days when Garrett Cole pitches. And then, you know, he's in a 2-2 game, and he gives up a run-scoring double. And then the commentators, and I like the Yankee TV people, but they say, well, you know, you can't ask much more of Garrett Cole. And I say, yes, yes, you can. You can. When you're a struggling team and you've got a $36 million a year pitcher, you can ask him to leave the game at least after six or seven innings at 2-2. You can ask him not to give up a run-scoring double to a light hitter when all the guys in your lineup are hitting 160. You can ask him that. You can ask more of him. You can. I do. I want more of him. I want a guarantee every five days that he's given up two runs or fewer when the team is not hitting. Now, when the team starts hitting, he can give up five runs once in a while. That is his job. But contextually speaking, when they suck, he needs to be Excellent every fifth day. Yep. That's not an unreasonable expectation. That's $36 million a year expectation. He's the one guy on that day, every fifth day, they have to win. You want him to be Jacob DeGrom. But you want Jacob DeGrom the Mets, also doesn't be able to score two runs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> His team can't score two runs. I mean, runs. it's unbelievable. Four New York has pitches. two phenomenal pitchers, and nobody scores any runs for either of them. DeGrom, I think, got a win in his last start, and that's hailed as a miracle in New York City. Jam-packed Tennessee Power Hour coming up. Let's just run through some of what we're going to hit. There is so you can't even notes. hit it all. You there so is another quarterback in Knoxville. We'll tell you who and why the four-star is on Rocky Top. Tim Corbin praises Tennessee fans while looking to Nashville to increase capacity at his own stadium after the weekend series in Knoxville for Vandy and Tennessee baseball. Uh, the Orange and white game just got a lot cooler this weekend with OutKick. We'll tell you details on an awesome event coming up. The Preds enter a massive week for their playoff hopes. 
and we will give you some options in our best Titans draft scenario as they're now less than two weeks away from the NFL draft on OutKick 360. Hang with us.